Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Coffee, Crime, and Storytime. It's me, Danielle. Happy first day of spring. <laughs> Here's to more vitamin D, am I right? I am a big sufferer of seasonal affective disorder, so this is a most welcome turn of the year. Uh, are you guys ready for our next story? I've got another good one today. Maybe it's one even you can help solve. Today, we're talking about Robert Fisher. We're traveling back to 2001 in Scottsdale, Arizona. It's 8.42 on the 10th of April, and there's been a loud boom, followed by the sight of a house consumed by flames. The firefighters weren't able to save the property, nor were they able to rescue anyone inside. A natural gas line had been cut, and it was simply feeding the flames, and there was nothing that they could do. The home was that of the Fisher family. Robert, his wife Mary, and their two children, Bobby and Brittany. Eventually, they were able to find that Robert had not been at work that day. It was his day off, and Mary's car was missing from the property. But there were only three bodies found inside. Two belonging to children, and one belonging to an adult. The family dog was also missing. Nothing found inside the home. A bolo goes out for Mary's car. The ME, upon investigation, discerns that the adult body was that of Mary Fisher. So now they need to look for Robert, because his family has been harmed, and they need to let him know before he finds out in a terrible way, you know, hearing something on the car radio or watching the news. And it is terrible. Mary and the kids did not die from the explosion. And hang on, because this is a little hard to hear, so maybe skip a bit if you're not up to it. The throats of the children, Bobby and Brittany, were slit, and it was done so fiercely that they were almost decapitated. Mary experienced the same fate and then some. She had also been shot in the back of the head. The bodies and the home had been covered with some kind of accelerant, and a natural gas line had been cut from the furnace, and a candle had been lit, which caused a slow reaction of the house filling with gas until it was enough for the candle to ignite, which also makes time for the killer to get away. The Fishers met when they were kids themselves at 16, and had been married for about 16 years. Robert had served in the Navy, originally been a firefighter, but an injury left him unable to do that job, so he began working at the Mayo Clinic as a technician. The transition changed Robert in a bitter way, but they seemed well-adjusted and normal in the most whitewashed American way, but not necessarily according to the neighbors. They could reference loud arguments very often, which resulted in Mary yelling and Robert shutting down and leaving the home to go camp in the woods for a few days. Face your problems, folks. Don't run from them. There are reports 
that state he had affairs, but I'm not going to go into this. There's a whole lot of stories that say he had multiple affairs, but he also didn't believe in divorce. So I'm not sure how you put those two in the same equation. Let me just say you're asking the wrong lady here. So we begin to learn the movements of Robert on the day prior to the explosion. He was off that day, and he'd use it to do what would have been considered normal household errands. He had the oil changed in his truck. He replaced the insulation in the attic of the home. That night, he takes Brittany to a church function, and Mary takes Bobby to another function. Just normal, right? Our next known fact is a blowout argument that takes place between Mary and Robert that evening after they got home from the children's events. Neighbors state this time Mary's yelling and he's yelling back just as much as Mary. But by 10.30, the argument had ended. Thanks, nosy neighbors. You actually do a good job here. By 10.40 p.m., Robert is seen in a ball cap on ATM footage. He takes $280 out of the bank that isn't far from the house. It's just down the road. And that's the last time he's seen. And that, folks, is the end of our facts. That quickly. So let's begin speculation. By the 14th, Robert Fisher is declared a suspect, and an APB goes out for him. Not only is he missing, but we begin to piece some things together. The bullet found in Mary's skull was not from any gun that could be located inside the home, but it did belong to the same caliber gun that Robert owned. He was an avid collector, and there were quite a few of his guns missing. As people talk to police, we learn that Robert is one of those people who lives a double life. For example, a church-going man by day, and a man who has affairs at quote-unquote massage parlors by night. A man with guns who hunts, but doesn't do it for the kill. He loves the sport of seeking his prey. And let's touch back on Robert's job. His job he had before the Mayo Clinic. Remember, he was previously a firefighter. And remember he was replacing the insulation in the attic the day prior? I will say I am confused that the oil was changed in the vehicle he didn't take. But maybe this was just an oversight. Maybe this was a moment of panic. A manhunt ensues. Sightings pop up in Rye, Arizona to the north, which is on the route he'd take to his hunting and camping area in Payson. But these sightings lead nowhere, really. Finally, on the 20th, the case gets a break. A car is found abandoned deep off the road in Young, Arizona. Again, getting closer to Payson, his camping area. Helicopters confirmed that they found the car belonging to Mary Fisher. It's 40 miles up a back road leading from the main road. The car was found with the mirrors pushed in, the windows were all the way down, and the car was immaculate. Uh, what? 
<laughs> this is deep in the woods. It's surrounded by pine trees, which are constantly dropping needles. This is my nightmare. I just thinking of pine trees makes me break out in hives. But the thing is, there's very little of the needles in the car or around the car, on the car, meaning it could not have possibly been there for more than 24 hours max, according to the police. And let's just touch back on the fact that the family dog was missing, shall we? Because under this car, the Fisher's dog, who was named Blue, by the way, has made a bed and is still there. No fingerprints, no fibers, no hairs are found on this car, except for a single fingerprint lifted from a coffee cup inside the car belonging to Robert. And the ball cap that he was wearing on the ATM footage was also found in the car. The ball cap is used for the scent trails, but it leads nowhere. Well, I take that back. Shoe prints that were approximately a men's size 13 led away from the car to a cave, but the trail ends there. The area is searched thoroughly by SWAT and Scottsdale police, but the search ends after three days, and no one knows what happens from here. There are theories, though. One is that Robert committed suicide possibly inside one of the 30 caves throughout the area. This was his place to go, after all. Second theory, he walked away to start a new life somewhere. Third is maybe he walked away to live off the grid. To me, that's the same as the second, but who knows. And that's it. Robert Fisher has never been located. What do you think of the theories? Do any of them sound solid? Or do you have a theory of your own? I'd love to hear your thoughts. And if you have a story you'd like to share or suggestions, I would love those too. You can send them to coffeecrimestorytime at gmail.com. The podcast can be found on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat, and TikTok. Thank you for joining me today. And if you like what you hear, please consider rating or reviewing. I absolutely love feedback. I am headed off to the coffee pot to start my next round of caffeination. And as always, until next time.